This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Jim Goodis. The annual food truck festival in downtown Chicago returns next month, and we'll discuss how the industry is rebounding in our next segment. Right now, the housing market is red hot, while a report on jobs in the private sector is out today. And joining us to talk about those is Carl Riccadonna, the chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg in New York. So let's talk about those numbers and what they mean for the economy, Carl. Sure. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, what we're seeing now is uh, kind of the tail end of the uh, what, what I think is going to be the tail end of the uh, furious uh, rise in uh, home prices that we've been seeing uh, across uh, many uh, geographic regions, uh, home home selling activity, whether it's new homes, uh, existing homes uh, really has been on a tear uh, since the start of the pandemic. Uh, Prices have uh, grown at the fastest pace in several decades, uh, which means that uh, affordability is kind of correcting the problem of its own accord here, uh, even while interest rates are remaining low. So uh, uh, there's a, a little bit of, uh, of uh, vim and vigor left in the uh, system, as we see with those uh, pending home sales numbers uh, that uh, were highlighted up about 8% uh, in the month. But uh, we are getting to uh, the end of the line here where affordability is starting to uh, dampen uh, that pace. Doesn't mean we're heading towards a rollover, uh, but I think we are moving towards a, a plateau in, uh, in both activity and uh, price appreciation. So, Carl, what's that going to mean for buyers? What's that going to mean for sellers? Well, what uh, we can see, it's an extreme seller's market uh, at the moment with uh, any, anything from looking at the uh, economic data and the housing data to the anecdotal evidence of uh, bidding wars and uh, all kinds of uh, uh, wild stories of uh, you know, buying houses uh, sight unseen and uh, you know, going far above the asking price. Um, so I think we'll see a shift uh, back towards the uh, a more balanced market between buyers and sellers. Uh, again, as I mentioned, it doesn't necessarily mean we're heading towards a rollover in prices, just a plateau, uh, which means that a lot of new homeowners uh, or new potential homeowners uh, will be kind of kept on the margins as uh, affordability has taken a big hit uh, by this dramatic increase in prices, and that's going to keep a lot of those folks out of the uh, out of the market uh, and uh, potentially push them into the rental market instead. So, since the start of the pandemic, we've seen a, a big uh, 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 flood of uh, buyers out of the rental market and into the home buying market, uh, and I think we're going to start to see that tide uh, turn around, and we'll see more pressure in terms of rental inflation in a lot of these hot markets. Now, on the jobs numbers, what are your thoughts on those? We are building momentum in the labor market, uh, to be sure, and I think we're going to see that momentum continue to rise over the course of the uh, summer. Uh, As for the uh, month of June, uh, we'll be getting the official statistics on uh, Friday morning 
uh, of this week. And uh, we should see, you know, again, a little bit more momentum than we've seen in the past months. But uh, these numbers, as impressive as they are, are falling well short of where economists and forecasters expected uh, the job creation numbers to be. Uh, you know, at, at the start of this year. So uh, we're on the right trajectory, but it seems to be a little bit slower progress than what uh, people were anticipating at the start of the year, which should ultimately uh, give policymakers a little more leeway to take their time uh, relaxing the uh, policy accommodation that has been put in place over the course of the uh, economic and, and public health crisis. That's Carl Riccadonna, the chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg in New York. Thanks, Carl. Coming up, celebrating the return of food trucks to Chicago's Loop. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The return of workers and tourists to downtown Chicago is a welcome development for the city's food truck operators. And to talk about it, we welcome Ali Marotti, who is the restaurants and retail reporter for Crane Chicago Business. So, what is the uh, food truck scene right now in Chicago as we go through the recovery from the pandemic? Yeah, so basically the city announced this week that they're having, um, they're restarting the Chicago Food Truck Festival, which is basically that situation that happened in Daly Plaza every Friday pre-pandemic, where there were six or so food trucks that would congregate down there. So that is coming back at the end of July. And it's sort of interesting just, you know, in my reporting, talking to restaurants in the loop that really depend on that business lunch traffic, you know, the past few months, they've been saying that more people are coming back downtown to work, but it's still not enough, you know, and they're not back at their full revenues. They were pre-pandemic and a lot of their traffic during that lunchtime hour is really coming from tourists that are down there, which is interesting that we're seeing the return of that in some ways. But, um, you know, we're only at about 30% of um, worker occupancy in downtown offices. And that's up from April. It was about 16% then. And this is something the, the Chicago Loop Alliance tracked. Um, it's expected to be around 50% by the end of July. But, you know, there's still a long ways to go there. Well, what about the flip side? What kind of variety can you expect? How much of the food truck market has come back? Yeah, so that's a great question. So with these, um, July 30th is the first of these food truck festivals. But that's when it's starting. So we really do still have a month there. And I think that there's going to be a lot of, you know, more foot traffic downtown by the time that happens. Seems like a lot of these big office buildings are kind of marked by the holidays, right? Like more office workers coming back after the 4th, even more after Labor Day, that sort of thing. So there will be about six food trucks um, every Friday down there. And I think, you know, as you see more people, like obviously this situation is kind of a city-sanctioned thing. It's, it's uh, sponsored by the city. But we'll see others. You know, you've always seen them congregate in different areas. And I think as people come you know, the food trucks will come too. That is something that I found to be really interesting in my recent reporting when I've been talking to restaurants. Um, you know, it, it seems like so many of these restaurants are waiting to exp expand their hours or offer more services until people come back downtown. But there's also people that are waiting to come back downtown until there's more options of places to eat. So it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation. Yeah, catch 22 that I think uh, neither side is terribly happy about. Let me ask you this. How much of the food truck business is sort of the independent operator where the food truck is it, and how much of it is restaurant-driven, and is that going to help some of these restaurants in their recovery as those food trucks maybe bring in some much-needed traffic to the restaurants themselves? Yeah, so that's a great question, um, and I don't exactly know a ratio, but, you know, I think you're right. Like, so many of these restaurants have launched new revenue streams, and one of these, you know, could be going to people where they are, and that's what a food truck does, right? So 
I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether do we see more independent operators getting into the business via a food truck because it's lower, you know, overhead costs. You don't have to have a brick and mortar store that you're making a bet on. Or do we see these established restaurants expanding their lines through the, um, the food truck option? I think it'll be really interesting to dig into that further. And that's something I'm going to be watching. Ellie Marotti, the restaurants and retail reporter at Crane Chicago Business. Thanks, Ellie. Appreciate the update. Up next, this could be a good time to upgrade your airline seat. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As demand for air travel increases, fares are rising. However, there may be a chance to get a good deal on a business or first class ticket. And joining us to explain on the McGrath Lexus business line is Angie Rice, the co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors. Her website is travelbta.com. So, Angie, how can we do this? How can we get a good deal on some of those nicer seats? Hi, Jim. Well, to answer your question, it depends where you're traveling. Certainly in markets that traditionally depended on a lot of travel from the business communities, we are seeing those options to be great for leisure travelers looking to upgrade to first class and business class seats because there are more availability to markets that are more urban that traditionally relied on the business traveler. Now, is there a strategy to get the most out of these, to, to make the most for your bang for your buck, as it were, to get the best deal? Being flexible. If you're flexible as far as where you connect, certainly if you're willing to allow for a longer layover or maybe you're going to go a little bit out of your way, for example, if you're looking to travel to Italy and you decide on a connection in Paris versus a connection in Frankfurt, oftentimes that connection to Paris is going to be more expensive than if you connect further. Also, when you're traveling, be mindful that Sometimes when there's opportunities to book a flight where maybe one of the lads is coach, but the remainder of your trip is first or business, sometimes you can get deals that way as well. What's the biggest mistake people make in in not getting full advantage of this? Well, lately, I would say the biggest mistake people are making is just not confirming their flights in advance. So I highly recommend that you confirm your flights at least 72 hours in advance because we're seeing a lot of changes and we're also seeing cancellations of flights. And this is also a great time to do a last minute check to see if there is availability for upgrades. That's Angie Rice, the co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors, and you can get more information on her website, travelbta.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. And it's presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Good afternoon, I'm Jim Goodis. These are the top stories. A huge development in the Bill Cosby sexual assault case. A special report from CBS News next. In Personal Finance Wednesday, recommendations to keep your finances as disaster-proof as possible. And the FBI is going on the offensive to deal with cyber criminals. Right now on Wall Street, the Dow is up 172 points, the S&P 500 up 2, the Nasdaq is down 21 points. Off and on showers this afternoon, more expected later on today, heading up to a high of 82. Right now it's 79 at O'Hare, WBBM News Time, 1231. CBS News Special Report. Pennsylvania's highest court has overturned Bill Cosby's sex assault conviction. The man once known as America's dad has served more than two years of a three to ten year sentence. KYW reporter Jim Melwert. The conviction uh, and the sentencing must be thrown out uh, because of an agreement uh, in 2005 uh, that the then Montgomery County District Attorney Bruce Castor uh, says that he made uh, with Cosby and Cosby's defense team uh, basically, uh, according to Castor, to strip Bill Cosby of his Fifth Amendment rights when he sat for a civil uh, deposition. When Cosby was convicted over a 2004 encounter with accuser Andrea Constant, prosecutor Kevin Steele said, We really know today who was behind that act, who the real Bill Cosby was, and a jury has spoken with one voice. Again, the sex assault conviction of Bill Cosby has been overturned. CBS News Special Report. I'm Allison Keyes. If you haven't downloaded the Odyssey app yet, remember you'll find WBBM available, and now you can discover a greater variety of music stations than ever before, including one called Hit the Road with Pop, so you can drive along with progressive pop tracks only on the Odyssey app. It's 1232. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets mixed today, and we're joined by Art Hogan, the chief market strategist from National Securities in New York. So, Art, your take on what's happening on Wall Street today? Yeah, interesting action. This is one of those weeks where when we get a jobs number at the end of the week and we're heading at the end of a quarter, end of the first half, you tend to have local kind of quiet volumes, and we've seen that. Yesterday, we barely budged off of uh, our starting numbers, and, and certainly today, volumes, again, seeing a decrease. If you look at your out-of-office uh, emails, you'll see a lot of people have already taken off in the long July 4th holiday. But that said, we've got a lot of action in front of us in terms of the non-farm payroll number and our interpretation of what that means for monetary policy. So I think that this is a market that's going to back-end load most of its action on Friday. But as far as today goes, the Dow and the industrials in general are trying to catch up to what the uh, technology-heavy NASDAQ has done for the month, right? So the technology-heavy uh, NASDAQ uh, was behind the industrials and caught up to it uh, this week. And now they're running neck and neck on a year-to-date basis, up 12.5% each, which is a great first half to put in. So what does that balance say about the economy and the markets right now? 
Well, I think what it tells us is that you've got a combination of things going on at the same time, right? So you've got growth, which will continue to be part of the leadership, but you also have economically sensitive cyclicals that are responding to an improving economy, right? So the second quarter GDP growth rate is probably about 10%. That'll taper off a bit, we'll, but we'll probably have six and a half or seven percent GDP growth rate this year. So the, the economically sensitive sectors like the energy sector, which is up forty three percent year to date, the financials twenty five percent year to date, industrials fifteen percent, are clearly the leaders. But at the very same time, you've got com services up twenty percent and tech up fourteen percent. So that's why we've been telling investors you really want to have a barbell approach. It's not either or; it's both. You want to have both growth and cyclical in your portfolio and a balanced approach. How do you feel about those projected GDP numbers? Well, I think they're probably underestimating what we'll actually see for growth if, and in fact, the kind of reopening progress that we've made so far continues. If any of the variants slow that down, for example, and if we have to go back into some form of, some form of restrictions, that could put a bump in the road. But I think that if we continue the path of reopening that we've seen in the first half and the second half, we likely are underestimating how much economic activity comes from pent-up demand, especially for services, which is just now starting to manifest itself. So demand for goods was very strong in the first half. We suspect demand for services like travel and leisure will be very strong in the second half. And anyone that's gone to an airport or tried to get a hotel room or rent a car has seen that already this summer. Yeah, it's amazing how much more travel you're seeing these days. And it, it is starting to be not just leisure travel, but a little bit in the way of business travel. Art, is there anything you're seeing in the horizon that concerns you? Yeah, what concerns me is there's an uneven global recovery and we're in a global economy, right? So when we think about places like Japan, parts of Canada, certainly the UK, that have gone back into a more restrictive mode, our assumptions for global economic growth might have to be ratcheted down a bit, right? And I think that's coming from uh, different paths to getting people vaccinated, right? So the, when we think about the U.S., we've done a pretty good job at getting about half of the country vaccinated and, and we're still pursuing that route. And I think other countries took different uh, paths to getting there and have showed an uneven reopening. So the U.K. is being more restrictive now, as is Japan. Certainly parts of Canada remain closed. That could slow down the recovery that we think we're getting here because, remember, we're very tied to a global economy. Half of the S&P 500 gets their earnings outside of the United States. So if we don't have an even recovery, if we don't see the global economy starting to pick up pace, that may want to push out some of that economic recovery into 2022. Of course, it's always your results may vary. But generally, what's the best approach right now for investors? We think the best approach is to have a barbell. And that barbell in your equity allocation would have growth on one side, manifesting uh, opinions and things like 5G, cloud computing, and cloud security. You can do that either with single stocks or with ETFs. On the other side of that barbell, we want you to have exposure to cyclicals, energy, financials, industrials, and materials. And then we want to rebalance that every two months to keep that barbell even. So what you are actually doing is selling some of your winners and buying some of your losers because we don't think it's ever going to be either or or a binary market. Had you done that so far this year, you're outperforming the S&P 500 by about 300 basis points and you outperform the S&P 500 last year by about 500 basis points. We think that's going to be the best way to navigate markets going forward for the next 12 to 18 months. Art Hogan, the chief market strategist at National Securities, New York, New York. Thank you, Art. Always a pleasure to get your insight. Up next on Personal Finance Wednesday, how to make your finances in a place where they won't be jeopardized by an unexpected event. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and this afternoon we're making sure you're prepared for an emergency that could require financial documents and other information. And joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is 
Greg Bolanos, the founding partner and chief executive officer of Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. So what do we need to do to prepare for these emergencies or disasters or something to be ready when the unexpected happens? Well, Jim, coming off on the back of a pandemic, I think people are more receptive to doing the responsible things. And I just remind everybody, there's two documents that are non-negotiable to get started. It's called your power of attorney for healthcare and your power of attorney for property, because we all need to name an agent who can advocate for our health if we're sick, injured, unencumbered. And we also need to name an agent who can advocate for our finances, a.k.a. help manage our bank, pay the bills, withdraw from an IRA if needed. That's why everyone starts with the powers of attorney for property and health care. Now, you say everyone. Does that include, like, if you think, oh, my spouse will take care of it or my sister will take care of it or something like that? I mean, is that a safe assumption or not so much? Well, you know, what we're doing is in this document, we are naming our best friend in life, our husband, our wife, our brother, our sister, our adult child. But just because someone is listed on the beneficiary of your 401k plan doesn't mean they have any legal right or recourse to manage your finances. So when I say everyone gets a health care directive, everyone gets a power of attorney, that's young and old. Case in point, Jim, we're sending our youngest off to college. He signed his durable power of attorney of health care and property just last week because I know they don't want to talk to mom and dad, even though we should be helping because now he's 18. But those are things we do while we're alive. I think everybody who has people that they love and those that love them back, everyone needs to have at a minimum a basic will because without one, The state's going to decide where your property goes, and that's not what we should be doing. We should be directing where things go if we become an angel overnight. Because it's not just important to say who you want to handle these things. It's equally or perhaps sometimes even more important to say who you don't want handling these things, right? Oh, that's exactly right. Estate planning is not about giving monies to the ones we love. Estate planning is all about messaging. You know, we mean putting the ones we love in a position to be successful, you know, when we decease, you know, and that means making sure the executor we appoint to our will you know, is the right person, as you indicate, making sure the executor knows exactly what our last wishes are. Because again, we all get the opportunity to write one great last manuscript. And if you don't do your own will, some people should do a trust. The state has one for you. And I think when it comes down to most people, they want to draft their own documents, not let statute dictate how the chips are ultimately going to fall. Greg, anything else that people should be doing to get prepared? Well, away from that health care, power of attorney for property, basic will, basic trust, I think everybody needs to pay attention to their digital footprint, all of these passwords. I encourage people to consider using a password manager. I encourage those that work with financial professionals, their estate attorney, their CPA, their financial advisor, to ask that advisor if there is a digital portal that is secure and encrypted that people could say store a copy of their passport, 
or Social Security card, other things that might come in handy. And that's stuff that your estate is going to need to be settled. But that's also stuff that you might want to reference if you lose access to your physical documents. So I think digital storage is also mission critical in today's environment. Craig, we've talked about some great ideas to be prepared for what is often the unthinkable or, I mean, who would have thought, you know, two years ago that we'd be facing the pandemic as we are now. What is either the biggest mistake or the biggest oversight or or something that you see people do that you wish you could grab them and say, don't do that or do do that? What What's the biggest oversight, you think? Well, I think we just nailed it on the head. It's everyone seems to focus on these documents that we use while we're dead, when we're dead, the will, the trust, but people haven't taken enough time to handle the documents that we should be using while we're alive. I go back to that power of attorney for healthcare, quantity of life, quality of life, making sure that the people who are going to advocate for you if you're sick and injured have clear unencumbered access to your medical records. That's a HIPAA waiver. So I think it's just paying attention to these basic statutory documents that everybody needs to have. That's the biggest omission I see when it comes to disaster-proofing someone's finances. Greg Bolanos, the founding partner and chief executive officer of Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate some great advice. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, the U.S. government works to turn the tables on cyber crooks. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The FBI is getting aggressive in its efforts to battle cyber attacks. And we welcome Adam Levin, the founder of Cyber Scout and author of the book Swiped. And he's out of New York. So, Adam, what's the FBI doing to deal with these cyber attackers? Well, they're, they're, they're getting more aggressive. You know, the old line, the best defense is an offense. Well, I think they're getting much more offensive in the way that they're approaching this. Like, for instance, they went into uh, the hundreds of the hacking victims' computers in order to throw hackers out. And, uh, you know, they're taking a whole-of-government approach. They did a joint FBI-National Security Agency operation to disrupt cyber espionage campaign by the Russians. And they clawed back the cryptocurrency that were paid to hackers after the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attacks. So they're, they're on the move. They're getting far more aggressive. And frankly, we need to get more aggressive. Now, when we say we need to get more aggressive, in addition to the FBI, what about the targets of these cyber attacks? Companies and those who are the folks that the cyber attackers are looking for, do they need to be doing more? And what is it? Well, they need to be doing more in the sense that they've got to really up their game in terms of how they approach cybersecurity for their organizations. They also have to report much more quickly when they become victimized by a ransomware attack, for instance, because ransomware has gone out of control and the uh, the hackers have gone out of control. I mean, there there is no rule of engagement anymore. I mean, they're in, they do what they have to do. It's not like the old days where you get in you get paid and you leave. It's now you get in, you get paid, then you threaten to release more information unless you get paid more, and then you take the information and you steal the information, and in some cases, you go to the victims whose information they have, who could be the consumers or employees of an organization, or patients, and say, what's it worth to you for us not to release your information? So you're living now where there are no rules of engagement, and we need a hero. 
we need a hero. And in this particular case, the FBI is the hero. And just like uh, in the series 24, nobody asked Jack Bauer how he ended up doing what he needed to do. He just needed to do it. And when you have this kind of environment, we just have to get it done and then hold a ticker tape parade and understand there may be dangers on both sides of getting it done, but we got to get it done. Are you concerned at all, Adam, that we might get, say, oh, the FBI's on the case or the feds are on the case. We don't need to be so worried. Oh, no. We, we, we have a share of responsibility. Business, government, consumers, we, we're all in this one together. So we have to help the FBI. We have to work with the FBI. We have to work with these uh, ISACs, which are groups in different industries to get together and share threats. And there's more threat sharing these days than ever before. But this is collaboration, cooperation, and communication, public and private sector organizations, because just like we've just lived through a, a pandemic in the health care area, which is obviously COVID, there is a pandemic when it comes to, to hacking and breaches and phishing attacks. And, you know, it's not like the old days where the FBI could operate in the U.S. and the CIA would operate outside the U.S., because you have hackers now that are capable of operating from outside the U.S., coming into the U.S., and then doing what they do and creating havoc here. So that's why there has to be a whole-of-government approach, like Ann Neuberger said, and there has to be this uh, collaborative environment. That's Adam Levin, the founder of CyberScout and author of the book Swiped. He joined us from New York. Thanks, Adam. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.